Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast. You know, as always, I am honored and grateful that you are here spending your morning, afternoon, evening downtime, walk time, laundry time with me. Maybe you are on your way to work. Maybe you need a little bit of inspiration this morning, or maybe you're just getting ready for the day. That's always my favorite time to listen to podcasts. I always put one on right when I start making breakfast in the morning, and then it carries through into showers, skincare time, and getting out the door to come to the Scouts Agency's offices, which is where I am recording this right now. I'm recording on our new mic since I'm building out a podcast studio here, which I really got to fucking get to. It is on my to-do list. I have ordered beautiful chairs. I got the two mics. I am slowly getting all the equipment together, and I have this beautiful backdrop that I know I want to get, so I feel like once the chairs and I get the backdrop, I will just need half a day to get everything set up. I bought those fun little styrofoam things that you see on very legit studio walls to block out noise so that my podcast studio is not only aesthetically pleasing, but also functions quite well for audio control. So get ready for that. The real content is going to be next level and will no longer be me on Zoom or me on my camera. So if you are actually listening and you're like, wait, I have not seen the video content of this podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Emotional Entrepreneur and go to our reel section. We post little highlights of every episode there every single week, about you know three or four reels a week, just to kind of keep the nuggets of wisdom going. So I am recording this in the conference room of the Scouts Agency offices. We are slowly but surely decorating this place. Uh, Half of the chairs have come in for the conference room table. We are waiting on the other four. We got our beautiful rug for the, um, if you've seen on my Instagram, we have a 
Scouts Agency decal on the wall. And so beneath that, we're creating a little seating area, a little touch base point, a little decor moment. So we bought a beautiful kind of a neutral sheepskin rug. And then we got this beautiful white bench from CB2 that is supposed to arrive mid-March, which would be now, but I have not received the updates. I'm sure you guys all know the shipping situation with furniture is delayed and delayed and delayed, but slowly but surely we're getting there. I'm hoping my goal is that by the first week of April, the conference table, the conference room will be done, the podcast studio will be done, and the lounge area will be done in the main space of our offices. My desk actually hasn't come yet. I ordered it in December, so hopefully that comes soon as well. And then after that, all of those kind of the big main purchases will be made. All the big furniture will be ordered and in, and now it's just time to decorate. We're taking it slow, but it also feels really good to see the office coming together in a way that's not just concrete walls and desks and chairs everywhere. So to breathe a little bit of life into the space is really great. And I was reflecting today, as I'm sure a lot of you are, it is the two-year anniversary of when the world shut down and when we went into quarantine. And I remember, or I'm sure we all remember, I was reflecting on how how much that really changed our lives, especially when it came to the way that we worked and not only the way that we worked, but where we worked. And this idea that a work from home situation was not only attainable, but for many of us really preferred. And as I have moved into this beautiful office, I am so grateful that we've really kept this flexible way of doing things here. You know, it's kind of like this general rule of thumb that you come at least three days a week, but we still implement a work from home culture as well for those days where you're feeling cozy, you're feeling like an introvert, you want to recharge and be by yourself while also being really productive and getting work done. So it's one of the things that I am so grateful that came out of (laughs) that two year anniversary of going into lockdown is that we all proved that we can work in a flexible way, that we can work from home, that we can work in an office, that we can have it both ways. And the old rigid rules, the old strict rules of a nine to five, while still, you know, upheld a majority of the time, have fluidity and have flexibility. And so I'm really grateful for that because when I come into the office, I'm so excited and I'm energized and it's a new environment from my home. Well, I absolutely love my home since you all know I just bought it and moved in. You get you get cabin fever after a while when all you see is your team members on Zoom and you are in the same spot over and over. So I am grateful that today is an office day, that tomorrow will be a work from home day, and that Wednesday will be an office day, and on and on and on to be able to have the best of both worlds in a space not only in a home space that lights you up, but in an office space that lights you up. I I really do not take for granted. So that's where I'm coming to you from today on this new microphone, which I'm so excited. It's set up in the conference table room. Why do I keep saying conference table? It's a conference room. Obviously, I've never had a real job where I had to go in office where there was an actual conference room. So I'm excited that I'm recording this on this new microphone because it will soon be where I record all of these podcasts once this studio is set up, which is super exciting. So today is a really, really good episode. I'm not going to lie. It is really good. 
not only do I have Natalie McMillan on, but we did a swap and I am on her podcast today called Am I Doing This Right? Which she co-hosts with Corinne Fox. So once you're done listening to this podcast episode, make sure to hop on over there and listen to my episode with Corinne and Natalie, where we talk a lot about emotional entrepreneurship, mental health, being in business, all of the things. But first... Let me talk to you a little bit about who Natalie is. Natalie McMillan is an artist, jewelry designer, entrepreneur, and owner and creative of her namesake brand. She has been featured in publications like Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, and Vanity Fair. And as I said earlier, she is also the co-host of the podcast, Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of millennials just trying to figure it out. Natalie has the most electric energy, and I know I pretty much compliment her right out of the gate in this episode, but she is so incredibly vibrant while so incredibly genuine. If you go to her website where she sells the most amazing jewelry, fragrances, art, all the things, it's shopnataliemcmillan.com. She has this quote on the homepage, which just truly sums her up. It says, if you've got kindness in your heart and party in your soul, you're in the right place, which could not paint a better picture of who Natalie McMillan is. So in this episode, we really talk about entrepreneurship from a mental health standpoint. We talk about how to set up rules and boundaries so that you can unplug from work. We talk about workaholism. We talk about um, fearing authority or hating authority, challenging authority, which is something I have not really talked about, but it's uh, it's a through line in my life, so it was really cool to open up around that topic. We talk about being an introvert, and then my favorite, we talk about our Google Cows and how we organize our day. Natalie has struggled from depression, and so we really dive into what it means to live with mental health struggles while also owning your own business. You know those conversations are some of my favorites, and she has a lot to say about how she has been able to run her brand, run her podcast while taking care of herself and getting to know herself in the best way possible. So I know you guys are going to love this episode. Enjoy, and don't forget to go and listen to my interview on Am I Doing This Right podcast. Okay, I will catch you next episode. Okay, Natalie, I'm going to give you my first impression of you. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know why, but that just came to me literally in this exact second. Okay. You DM'd me. Uh Uh-huh. Now we're doing a whole swap situation. Here we are. And there is something electric, generous, and genuine about you. Those are the three things that come to mind. You know, I read a lot of DMs. I read a lot of emails. And people say this about me, that my energy jumps off the page. You are someone that that happens as well. Has anyone ever told you this, that when they DM you, they feel you behind the DM? Yeah, actually, yes. Mm. Actually, I have gotten that like one other time. Okay, because you immediately, immediately jumped out. One, your branding is extremely happy. It is just loud, happy, and bold. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? How how are you so happy and cheery? I know we're going to talk about mental health, but there's something about you that is electric and bold. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much. Also, thank you for having me. I really love this podcast. Like, I'm not just saying that. I genuinely love it, and I've loved all the guests, so I'm Aww, very honored to be thank here. Thank you. I'm excited. But I guess... I mean, happiness is definitely 
it's like, I have to try at it. It's not something that is supernatural to me. I mean, like I struggle with depression and anxiety and the whole nine. And so it's not something that comes like so, so naturally, but I, I think it's kind of a conscious effort. And also just like in regards to the branding and stuff, and this wasn't how it always was. Like when I first started my brand, I thought I have to be really serious because mm. at the time I was fine jewelry. I was like all, you know, solid gold. And I was like, people need to take me seriously. So everything was very like chic and like black and white and all this. And kind of as the years went on, I was like, I'm not chic. I'm none of this, actually. I'm kind of like a nutcase a little bit. So then I just sort of like, thought I need to have some fucking fun with this. If it's not fun, why am I doing it? I'm also a Sagittarius. Okay. Have to have fun. Okay. So there's two areas that we can take this. So I want to start on the happiness level because for me as someone, obviously everybody knows bipolar, mental illness, I've like, you know, fucking nailed that, that thing into the ground for everybody. Happiness for me for some reason has never been this goal that I try to achieve. Mm -hmm. It's always, I think, and let me know if this is your perspective, when you struggle with depression, I've never thought that happiness is the opposite of depression and where I need to get to because happiness felt more fleeting while depression felt more grounding. And so I thought to myself, I have to find another human experience that is as grounding as depression since I feel as if happiness is too fleeting. Does that resonate with you at all? Yes. Yeah. And I think also because when you have depression or if you tend towards depression, it's like kind of a comfortable spot to be in. Totally. And so kind of getting out of it, it's like, you know what? It's easier to just stay in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're chasing that kind of fleeting moment, you're almost like, what's the point? Yeah. It's only going to be a brief second. And then I'm going to come right back to here. Why, why should I leave here? Mm -hmm. You know, talk about depression being comforting for you. How did that manifest? And what did that look like? Because I go on the record and say that I was addicted to my depression, that my depression served me in many ways. It kept me from figuring out my adult life. It kept me from having responsibility. It kept me from figuring out my finances, figuring out my career, being an adult, growing up. It kept me safe, albeit in my mother's guest room, crying all the time, but it kept me safe. So talk a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah. Well, you know, at first, so I didn't think, cause I've always been told like, oh my God, you're so happy. You're so like cheerful, which I just fucking said to you. Yes. Well, what I really, I am actually, I am, but I guess I didn't realize that I had like a low grade depression that was kind of always under the surface until a few years ago when it got to the point where I don't know if you've had those moments where it like hits really hard. And, and then I remember the moment I thought I got to call a psychiatrist. I was standing in front of my shower and I was like, I told myself, I'm like, just get in. Like you just, just get in the shower. Like you can do it. And I thought something's not right. Something's not right. You know, but I feel like something about being depressed and like not having to do a lot. I've always been like a doing, 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 doing things, taking care of myself. And I think I just sort of wanted like somebody else to like take care of me. And you, do you know what I mean? Like kind of yes. be that moment. And then until it just got to the point where I was like, okay, hold on. This is not sustainable. 
And of course, it's not an active choice. I'm not choosing to do this, but it is very hard to get out of once you're in it. I've actually never heard somebody tell an anecdote that I can specifically take that feeling and, and have my own image. So for me, it was walking up to French class and I couldn't open the fucking door to walk into the class. Yes. I couldn't do it for the life of me. And that's when I knew, okay, we're not functioning at this point. Like we're not, we're not doing the the lowest standard of what I got to do today, which is literally just to walk in that class. I don't have to fucking pay attention, but I got to walk in. Yes. Similar to showering. Yeah. Now, how do you go from that to co-hosting a podcast and having a jewelry brand where there's a lot of actions where you have to metaphorically get into the shower, right? Yes. How does that relate to you? So the crazy thing is I actually was doing both simultaneously. I, I have the podcast. I have my line. I was doing all kinds of stuff and I was depressed. But I'm very good at not letting people help me. And, you know, I also think maybe one of the reasons that I was able to kind of shelf it for so long was because I love my business so much and I love what I do so much that it was easy to, like, distract myself from the problem. So I would just dive into work, like, and I do definitely have, like, workaholic tendencies, which I'm working on. (sighs) My therapist is like, can you just like chill for one second? But I think once it just tipped over the edge, I did have to take a little time and sort of really rest and kind of really do some reflection and think to myself, you know, how is this constant working and how is that serving me? Because it wasn't, you know? So I think once I took a step back and I had that moment to kind of like recalibrate and I had to go, I went on medication, full transparency, and that really, really helped me. I really needed that. And I was able to just like come back to a point where it was like more of a homeostasis where then I could actually be like, okay, now my mind is also clear enough to get more organized and to propel my business forward. So it's almost like I had to hit the bottom to like be able to come back up. Yes. But in a different way. It wasn't in like a, I'm going to stay up until two in the morning every single day working on my business. It was a, okay, this is not going to work for me. So I need to reevaluate this. And then from there, things have just been getting better and better. Did that answer that question? I don't really... Yes, but I actually forgot what the question is because my mind's going into the next situation because I love that you brought this up. And it is something that I, maybe I should just stop this because I do this to myself. I'm like, oh, I'm a workaholic and there must be something wrong. Like, no, I think I just like really like to work a lot. And I am very conscious about my priorities and I'm conscious about how I want to spend my time. And I have no problem unplugging. I'm pretty good at that. But A lot of people, when they struggle with mental health problems and are entrepreneurs, it is very easy for them to dive into their business as a place of safety. I know that I do it on a level of like, in a weird paradoxical way, I don't have control over certain things in my life, but I have control over my business. Even though when you start a business, it's like the biggest unknown and you have no control over anything. Oh, 100%, 1000% understand that. It's kind of a weird thing, but... I find that a lot of people who have struggled with mental health and our business owners struggle with workaholism. Can you pinpoint 
some of the things that were no longer working for you? What were the red flags that you're like, this is not in alignment with me and I am using work as a band-aid for a much more deeper emotional wound at play? Yeah, I think it kind of started with things just like in my house, like dishes piling up, right? And I'd be like, okay, I'll get to those later because I have to send X, Y, and Z email and do this spreadsheet and da, 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 da. And it's like, in reality, it's my shit. I don't have to do anything if I don't want to. But somehow I've convinced myself like, no, you have to do it and it has to be done today. And I would get this like guilt almost because I love a checklist. Oh my God, I love a checklist. And it's like, if I didn't check everything off by the end of the day, I would feel guilty and then it would sort of spill over into the next day. So then it's like, okay, well now I have to finish the things from yesterday and the dishes are still there and I haven't done the laundry and like things are just like my personal life was piling up things in my personal life. And I was not prioritizing myself, including, and this, I still struggle with, but I'm really trying And Corinne. So she's my co-host with the podcast and scout. You're going to be on ours. Yay. But I have to call her sometimes and I'm like, I need you to text me at 6 p.m. and force me to stop working because I will, I won't eat dinner till like 1030, which is, it's like, what am I doing? Why? Yes, this is really good because there's that quote that says, I became an entrepreneur to have freedom over my life or insert whatever, whatever, not work a nine to five. And in reality, I work 24 seven. And this is I think one of the biggest traps that entrepreneurs fall into is that they get to a point where they, or they don't ever get to the point where they stop because there's no necessarily parameters around it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing that's tough is I, and I'm always having to kind of question myself. It's like, at what point, cause I, I genuinely love it. Like I genuinely, like my eyes pop open in the morning and I'm like, Ooh, like I have this idea and that, and I want to do this and da, 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 da. And so it's like, how do I turn that off enough to just like have a normal like night? You know what I mean? Like wind down, not answer the, and it sucks with social media too, right? Because I love connecting with like my customers and, you know, they'll DM me and I love answering them and talking to them. But then again, I'm like, oh shit, here I am. It's I've been sitting on my couch and instead of like relaxing and reading a book, I'm still kind of working. So I, oh God, so for me, it's a blessing and a curse. And I think that it is a tried and true trait of someone who should be a business owner if they are so passionate and in love with their work that they wake up and they're excited and they have all these ideas. ideas. And it's hard to turn off because they're so aligned and happy with it. And then it becomes, okay, well, if I want this thing in my head to become a reality, I need to get this in shape. Very similar to if an athlete wants to go to the Olympics, they breathe and what love and breathe and whatever you call it, their sport, they have to get themselves in shape and put themselves through reps and days. I'm not an athlete. I don't know what the fuck they do. They go to the gym. They're practicing. You get what I'm saying. So that's a very similar, I believe, initiation into entrepreneurship is, wait a minute, how do I stop work? And in a world where, as you said, social media is endless, it's you can find yourself, even when you close your computer, you sit on your couch, you're like, oh, I'll just check my email real quick. Okay. So these are things that I have done. And then I'm going to, you're going to say what you've done to eliminate 
that leaky stuff, like a leaky gut, like there's no business after you close your computer. Hmm. I turn my email notifications off. Is your email notifications on? No, no, no. They're not on. No. Do you have your Instagram notifications on? No. Yeah, me either. Okay, so the I turned all those off and then I literally, this saved my life. Like not even as an entrepreneur, just anybody. I designate hours without my phone. Oh, I've never done that. When you close your computer and you are going to eat dinner and watch a TV show, your phone is on the other side of the room or in a different room. Just for like an hour or two, it will completely turn the mind off because our phones, it's just too easy to access all of the stimulation around our businesses at any given moment. Oh, and it's so addictive. And I was thinking about this the other day. I think the best thing that's ever come with an iPhone update is this new like notification silence thing. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, but I don't know how to use it. Like, I don't know if, I don't think it's on on my behalf. So I think I'm not benefiting from this situation. Oh my God, it's my favorite thing in the world. So you can have these different settings, right? So you can have one for sleep, one for work, one for personal time, where you can choose the apps and the people that can actually contact you. So like when my work thing is on, my brother in case like there's some sort of emergency, it's Corinne. Cause a lot of the times we're talking about work stuff, you know, people that I work with, like my, my jewelry distributor, you know, things like that. Nobody else is gonna, I'm not gonna, my phone's not gonna light up. If anybody else texts me, if the group chat is blowing up, I'm not going to see it until I choose to look at it. Also because I, I have ADHD. So the minute something lights up, I'm like, what, hold on, Who, what's happening? be able to turn that off without turning off your whole phone. Oh my God. That has been a game changer for me. Okay. I need to figure this out immediately because I got to a point where I just have 40 text messages at all time. Like I have 40 text messages. I have who knows how many DMS. I'm not answering people back anymore because I really believe that the answering back of the phone, which you said is the reason why we're not shutting off after work as entrepreneurs. Yeah. This is the other thing. And Corinne always fights me on this is that I am actually an introvert. Like I'm a very, I have to recharge. And I notice that, I mean, before I, cause I'm now that I have these settings, I'm on notification silenced, like 23 hours a day. (laughs) But I was realizing that being constantly like having the ability to be contacted 24 seven, And even texting people conversation, you know, it feels like they're in your living room. It's still socializing. It is very much socializing, even though they're not there. And I realized, oh, I'm not recharging because I'm still constantly socializing with people. They're just not physically with me. Yes, that is 100% accurate. I am also an introvert. What is your ideal? I'm so strict on my week. I'm a psycho. I always say that my five to nine has to support my nine to five or else it's cut the fuck out of my life. Mm -hmm. What's your ideal social capacity in one week? Like how many social events are you good with a week and when does it become overwhelming for your mental health? So because I work pretty much alone and I'm working from home most of the time, I don't do too many like social events, right? But on the weekends and I've been very good recently. And I had to kind of make a rule with myself that I can, I'm not working on weekends. I'm not doing it. I'm not answering emails, nothing. But I have noticed if I do something 
I have to have one day where I'm not doing anything. If there's two days of social events, I have the third, I'm tapped out. I cannot do it. Don't invite me. I'm not coming. I am the same exact way. For me, the max is three a week. Like, oh yeah, three a week. That could be uh, three dinners. That could be three coffee dates. That could be three lunches, whatever it is. Three is my max, max, max. I'm happier at two. And I need an entire day to recharge. Do you feel as if once you started getting very, I don't know if the right word is serious, but once you started identifying these workaholic tendencies, you were tending to your mental health in a real way that you felt as if you had to be, again, I don't like using this word, stricter with your time and with your habits and with your daily habits. Did you feel as if there was a moment and you were like, whoa, I need to harness what I do every day and be a lot more intentional than maybe the average folk is with their weeks? Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing that I did when I really started focusing on my mental health and how it in relation to my work was I thought, okay, what are the things in my day that I really don't like? Or that if something starts happening, what do I just like really, I can't stand it. So one of them, for example, was I hate, you know, I'm one of the people, we all are getting an Amazon box every other day. It's not good. You know, I don't think it's good for the environment. Truly, it's a horrible habit. But yep. and that's the other thing about being an entrepreneur is that you never really have time. You're like, okay, I really got to go get a bunch of packing tape. When am I going to do it? Okay, well, I have time next Tuesday or I could just Amazon it and have it come tomorrow. Right. Mm hmm. So, but something that was driving me insane is if the boxes were piling up, right? So then it was like, okay, I need to designate a time, put it in my calendar. Like for 15 minutes here, you're breaking the boxes down and you're, you're going to recycle them. I hate having dishes in my sink. So it was like after dinner, I'm not sitting down. I'm washing the dishes. And then, because if I sit down first, they're not going to get done. So I definitely did have to start creating kind of like rules, but they were all based in things that I just didn't want, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good tip. If you're looking to get more streamlined and more aligned in your in your rituals and your daily habits, start with the things that drive you the most crazy or don't work for you and prioritize time to tackle those moments. You mentioned, I don't know if you said calendar or if you said Google Cal. Oh, I'm a Google Cal girl. Same. I wish there was a world where we all posted our Google Cals so we could see how everybody else organizes their Google Cals because how great would that be? I would love it. I, oh, the color coordination, all of it. Tell me about your Google Cal. What is, what's on it? How many calls do you have a day? Do you have calls one day, creative with your jewelry one day, podcasting one day. What, what, what's the organization flow here? And I want to know how you color code as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing that I have noticed, cause you know, of course I listen to podcasts, I read books, all these things about entrepreneurship. The thing that works for a lot of people is having those like designated days. Like Mondays is my, you know, financial day. Tuesdays is my content creation day, blah, blah, blah. I realize that does not work for me. I'm a very like, feel it in that moment. I'm doing it, you know, I'm sort of that, or I can kind of think of it the day before. So basically what I've done is I have my, the things that have like a set time, those are in there. And then I'll have like chunks of like 
I'll just say like free work. And it's like, okay, here's an hour of like free work, right? And then I have a list, because you know I love a list, on Trello. Are you on Trello? You know what? I'm on Trello for a project and the person I hired uses Trello, but I am not on Trello for my business. Trello. I Hmm. love Trello. So then I go to my little Trello board that has the list of the things that I need to get done within the next few days. And I'm like, okay, which one calls to me right now? This one. Okay. Now I'm going to work on this for the next hour and 10 minutes or whatever until I have a meeting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So then if it's like my company, everything's color coded in green because I just emerald green is my favorite color ever. If it's for the podcast, so am I doing this right? Our color is like orange. So all that's in orange. Personal stuff's in yellow. And then if there's like the offhand, you know, if there's like a massage or something, that's like a lavender. Like mm. if it's like a self-care, even though I kind of hate that term, self-care. But yeah, that's like a lavender color. That's kind of how I work it. Do you start calls at a certain time? Like, for example, I have a team call at 930, but I won't take an actual call until after that. Like, I won't take a call at nine, for example, unless it's the only time we can figure it out. And then I my, I like to end my calls at three every day. I don't have a, I actually, I'm one of those really annoying people that I wake up at like six and I'm like, ready to go. I I could, you know, we could have this whole conversation at six in the morning and it would be the same, but I start tapping out at like three 34. And I also, the other thing that I've been trying to do recently, because it's hard for me to stop working. And I also think because I work from home, it's like, I don't leave. Right. The office is still right next to my kitchen. I've really tried to time things so that I I'm done with work at four because that means I will actually be done work at, with work at five. Got it. That's a good one. Cause I'll, you know, all these little things. Oh, let me just tie this thing up. Oh, let me just like, I'll just send that last email. That, that's like, it takes me an hour to do that. Yes. So I try to have all my calls and meetings and stuff wrapped up by three thirty four. Okay. So what are the three tips for someone who has difficulty to stop working? That one was great. That kind of like tricking yourself a little bit so that that extra hour gets in at an appropriate timing. But if someone's listening to this and they can relate, they are having difficulty turning off. They're having difficulty stopping work as a new entrepreneur or as a seasoned entrepreneur. What are three things they can do today to stop, to stop working? Yes. Okay. So that is one of them to trick yourself into it. Well, I don't have to anymore, but I used to set alarms that would say, stop fucking working. And then they would go off and then it would say like, stop working for serious because (laughs) because I would ignore it. So setting little alarms also, like I said earlier, like I'll tell Corinne, you need to call me or text me or something at six o'clock and force me to stop because sometimes I'll slip back into these, you know, little moments. So having somebody hold you accountable. And then the other thing that really works for me and honestly probably works the best is scheduling, like taking a workout class at like 4.30. Oh, so you get out of the house. I have to leave. And then when I come back, it's like, well, now I have to shower. I have to take my dog out. I have to start with dinner. So I'm not going to get back on my computer. Mm Mm-hmm. What is the emotion that you uncovered as you started to realize that you had these 
tendencies that it was difficult for you to stop? What was the emotional experience behind this? I think it was this kind of odd feeling of like frustration because it would feel like I really wanted more time for myself, but I was the one getting in my own way, you know, and I'm also not very good with time management or knowing how long things will take me. So I think, yeah, I would get frustrated or if I had too much time on my hands, like if I kind of timed it in a way where, oh, I'm actually done with work at 3.30, then I would think I should keep going, right? I think that's this trap too with being an entrepreneur and having your own schedule is feeling like you're never doing enough or like, I'm so lucky that I'm living my dream that I should be working harder. When in reality, it just like burns you out so fast. So I think kind of this like battling of, I want more time for myself and yet I'm so dedicated to my work that I, I'm like married to it. How good though do you feel when you have a real recharge, like a real reset, like a whole day off or two days off or three days off and you come back to the office and you are buzzing with ideas? How good does that feel? It feels so good. And then I think once I get myself in a separate office, things will, it will be a game changer for me, but physically leaving. So like if I'm on a vacation, you're not going to fucking hear from me. I'm not posting on Instagram. I'm like, bye. Like (laughs) I'm not emailing you. See ya. (laughs) So, but then when I come back, I always have good ideas. I always feel recharged. Things are just lighter and happier and not so like, are you into um, human design? Yes. What are you? I'm a manifesting generator. I'm a generator. So my like not self thing is frustration. Me too. I was just telling my coach this literally an hour and a half ago because she asked me about something that I was fucking frustrated about. And I know that when I'm in frustration, I am not doing well. Like something's not aligned. That's amazing. I don't know what that's so, oh, I love that, that we have the same pain point. Yes. And so that's why I'm saying like this kind of frustrated feeling of just like, oh, like I know I can change it, but like I'm, it's like kind of stuck in this pattern. Like, oh. So then kind of when I get out of it and I'm away from it, then I can come back and I'm like, okay, it's not that it's, we can fix this. It's, it's fine. We're good. <laughs> Let's dive in real quick to frustration a little bit because I was told that that was the same thing. What, what is, I don't know what they call it when you're misaligned or something or you're not self, I think is like, yeah, I just realized that when I'm frustrated, it's because things are not going the way I want them to. So it's a sense of I'm trying to control and it's not working for me. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? One trillion percent. Yeah. I love controlling things, but I think that's because I'm of anxiety, but it's a false sense of control. I don't have control over anything in reality. You know what I mean? I don't have control over jack shit, but in my mind, I think that I do. Yeah. Or you come up with concepts that make you feel as if it's an, it's an illusion. Yeah. And I also think I mean, we're getting real deep here. Part of my, I was reflecting on this the other day about just being an entrepreneur and being like, how did I end up being an entrepreneur? Because I was never into school, never, like I was never a school person. I've always, I have an art degree. I've always been a very like artistic person. 
And so I thought, how did I get into like a business space? This is so odd. And then I realized, oh, it's because I don't have to answer to anybody. I have full control over what I'm doing. And I think that it stems from growing up, not having control over scenarios that were not great. And I think somehow it gave me this sense of safety of like, I can control this. Like, this is my own little world. And maybe that's also why I am prone to workaholism because it's like, I'm going into my own world. None of you are going to fuck with me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Here I am. This is all my stuff. You can't tell me what to do. You can't take this away from me. Do you have troubles with authority? Oh, yeah. Same. Always have. (sighs) Yeah, it's something I don't talk about or I haven't talked about. I shouldn't say I don't because I'll talk about anything, but I don't know why it's a big weakness of mine. What you just said, first of all, I can relate to so much. And I think that a lot of us do start our businesses out of some, because we felt unsafe somewhere else. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing because we find safety and empowerment and creativity and self-confidence within our businesses. And we get to acknowledge the shadow part of where that came from so that we can also heal that, right? And not just bulldoze those moments where you felt as if you had no control over parts of your life. Mm -hmm. So when we don't feel safe and we feel out of control, mixed with not being cool with authority, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to make a good fucking entrepreneur. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the thing too. And I was reflecting upon that as well. I was like, I've never, and my mom just called me the other day and she was like reminding me of how bad I was with authority. And, and she was like, by the time, like literally by the time you were two years old, I realized that nobody was going to tell you what, what to do or what not to do. You know, my authority stuff didn't come about until later because I was so, my mental illness started pretty young. And so I think I was just so scared. And so I just retreated internally and just was submissive and the good girl and the perfectionist and the high achiever. And then something switched in ninth grade. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You want me to get a GPA? You're not going to define me by a fucking number. Oh yeah. I went off, man. I went off on that academic system for sure. Oh yeah. I was like, you're going to like, you're just giving me busy work. Like, what is this even for? This isn't worth my time as like a 15 year old. <laughs> oh, no, I would. I'm not even kidding. So oh my God. this is a slight tangent, but I went to this like elementary school that was basically based in a cult. Mm, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. So there were a lot of rules, a lot of rules as cults have as they do and i was never ever good so i was getting in fights with teachers and the principal in like third grade like i was always the problem there was and i think it's another reason why i started making jewelry was like i wasn't allowed to wear it you weren't allowed to wear jewelry so then one day i got remember live strong bands were big yes so i had a live strong band and they were like you can't wear that and I was like, what? It's a charity thing. Like, what are you talking about? No, it's, it's jewelry. And I said, so what would make it not jewelry? And they were like, well, it would have to have a function. So then I started wearing all kinds of hair ties on my wrists. And they're like, well, what do you, you can't be doing this. And I'm like, well, but these are all functional. 
I can tie my hair up with these. Like it was stuff like that. And I was like straight up a fourth grader. Oh my God. If my kid did that, I'd be so proud. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sure my mom was always just like, Oh God, why? <laughs> but I, I mean, the, okay. So what I want to convey in all of these stories, the bottom line is that sometimes the parts of us that are resistant and rebellious and angry or unsafe or sad or depressed, they lead us to our passions and the things that fulfill us and bring us alignment and self-confidence. And yet because the shadow led us to the light, we still, it is still our duty as entrepreneurs and leaders and people of society to continuously clear out the shadow parts of what got us here. But to think that everyone who is standing in their power got there out of maybe some healthy tendencies is is not always the case. You know what I mean? No, I know. I know. And then, you know, even beyond that, I think a lot of us, depending on, you know, what our experiences are and how we got to that place of entrepreneurship, like you can take those sort of pain moments and bring them into what you're doing. And so for me with my brand, I think I, I just, I never really felt like I fit in very much. I never felt like people were like super accepting. So then I, when I started my brand, I thought, well, I want everybody to feel like loved and accepted. Cause that was so important. I just wanted people to like, love me and accept me for who I, who I was. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was just very important to me. Like, as I started connecting with my customers and stuff, like I want them to feel like I genuinely love them truly. And the thing that makes me so happy, and it's like, even if I didn't make a dollar at this, it would make me so happy to get things. Like I got a DM the other day from a girl who said, um, so my dog just had surgery and she DM'd me and she was like, Oh, like, I hope he's doing good and blah, blah, blah. And I said, thank you so much. Like, I, I can't believe that you care about him so much. Like it really warms my heart. And she said, well, I really feel like you're one of my actual friends. And I feel like you make people feel like you're their best friend. And that was just like, oh my God. Like it just made my heart so happy because like truly I just want people, like if there's nobody else, you have a, you have no friend and anyone else, like I will be your friend. I don't care who you are. I don't care if we've never met, like I care about you. And that's, that's been a very like integral part of my brand. And it's, it comes from a pain point you know, other women and other people. I mean, just, of course, this is my own example, but I'm sure it happens in other people's businesses, but so many other girls and women resonate with the same feeling. And so then you're like, okay, we're not alone. We're not alone here. Other people experience this. And then you kind of people gravitate towards you and towards your brand and towards your company or whatever you've got going on, because they're like, okay, wait, I see myself in them. I can relate to this person in a genuine way. So my confirmation that the two words generous, two of the words I used was generous and genuine is extremely integrated in the energy of your brand. That's from what you just said, it's so evident. And I think it's such a beautiful example of the way that we get to do business in today's age. I really believe our demographic of women are changing the landscape of business. It is no longer strictly transactional and revenue-based, but it is impact and connection-based a hundred percent. Yes. And also I think people 
particularly like even, you know, on Instagram and stuff, I'm getting really sick of being sold things that I can tell. I'm like, this is not genuine. This is like, I'm trying to think of a better word than authentic. Yeah. Can we get a new word? I know. Also, do you want to know what word I hate? Yes. Real. Because when we would watch reality TV stars, they would say, I'm real. I'm the realist. What the fuck does that, what does that mean? And if you have to say it in such a dramatic way, are you sure? Like what is going on? So anyways, I've never liked that word. Authentic is great. And yet it's losing its merit and weight. So we need another word to come up. I know. And I've been trying to think of like, what is the word to replace authentic? I think it's intimate. It's intimate. But then I don't want intimacy to lose its rarity and its sacredness as well. Yeah, because it's also like there's an intimacy, but then there's also a professional kind of boundary. Okay, yes. And this is very interesting because you have your jewelry brand and you have, am I doing this right, podcast. And so as you're talking about these DMs, you're a businesswoman who sells jewelry and yet your consumer and your customer knows about your intimate life because you are a personal brand on the internet, which is another way female millennials, I believe, are changing the name of business because we are now putting ourselves in front of our products, ourselves in front of our business and saying, this isn't just a ring. This is who made the ring, et cetera, which I think is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yet, do you find that line to get murky? How do you how do you balance that? How do you contextualize that? Because as you said in the beginning of this episode, you were like, I was all black and white and chic because I thought I had to be serious mm-hmm. and that wasn't me. And so now I'm me. I think there is a a line that women have to cross when they are presenting themselves on the internet of, okay, I should present this way, but, oh, wait, I can talk about my period or my infertility journey or whatever, my sex life, and be an established businesswoman. How have you reconciled those two parts of yourself? Yeah. Well, it took a while too, because I thought, again, I was trying to be, I was like, talking about going into Barney's like it was a whole different game when I first started especially like because there were actual stores and now there's kind of not (laughs) so R.I.P. Barney's I truly uh it's such a it's such a shame in my opinion but anyways so I didn't feel like I can sort of just completely be me on the internet and have people see me for who I am because they'd be like, what the fuck is this girl talking about? Like, what? But then I don't know. I think just as I got older and the more I got into business and the more I kind of just let people see who I was, the more I was like, oh, they kind of get me. And then more people would, or like, what's so funny is I've always said the word fabby. Just like, oh, that's very fabby. Like there's things that are fabby. And I've noticed like my customers now are saying, oh, that is so fabby. And I I think like, oh my God, that's so funny. Or I call everybody a baby daddy. Everybody's my baby. I'm like, oh my God, he is my baby daddy. And then, yeah, like my customer, it's just so funny how you come out and and people kind of just see you as, as you are. But I do think there is also a, of course, nobody sees every aspect of my life. And the other thing with Instagram is even the people that are the most out there and the most 
like themselves and everything, there's still parts that are, you know, I mean, I'm friends with some of these like very big influencers, right? And nobody would ever know that they're struggling with their own because they're like, well, these are the most real people on their thing, real on the internet. But it's like, okay, but there's always this moment or there's always this other kind of person that's not going to just completely be that vulnerable on the internet, you know, or like when I was struggling with my depression, when it was really bad, I think I took like two or three weeks off from being on Instagram and I didn't want to say anything. I didn't really want to talk about it. Like, cause I was just exhausted. It's exhausting to be depressed too. Yes. <laughs> but then when I got it together and came back, I was able to then say like, so here's what was going on. And like, if you want, if you have depression, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it because I was ready to do so. And I think that that's important. You, you need to be at a place where you're ready to have the conversation and not just like, I'm just going to throw that out there and then peace out. Bye. I was super depressed. See ya. Like yeah, what? my uh, she was a client of mine and she's a dear friend and a mentor. She wrote the forward of my book, Jessica's Wag. She always says, I think her mentor told her this, don't process on the internet, process in real life and then share what you've learned and the experience after you've processed. If you want to share, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah, but I do think there's another sort of difference and maybe you've experienced this where certain, you know, I have certain customers and things that are just like, kind of constant DMers. Mm -hmm. You're kind yes. of like my little friends. And so they'll ask me questions, very personal questions, and I will tell them. I have no, I'm a very open book. I'll tell you anything. But it's also, but it, they aren't things that I would just say to the whole group. You know what I mean? Because they have a little bit of a closer understanding of who I am because they talk to me more. There is definitely scales. I mean, I think in, in all of life, there is different levels of who gets access to what in your life. And just because you are a personal brand on the internet does not mean that you have to divulge every nook and cranny to the larger platform, right? For me, the line that I always have is if it involves another person, it will not be told publicly because that's not my story to tell. And uh -huh. if you think about my life, there's a lot of people in it. So there's a lot of my life that is not on the internet because whether I'm having a relationship issue with a family or, you know, me and Mads have not talked about our parents' divorce very much because we feel like that's not exactly fair to our parents to, to tell a certain story. And if we were to tell it, we'd have to leave a lot out and that doesn't feel right either. And right. so I know, and it, this takes a little bit and it's okay if you're new to being a personal brand on the internet and you're fulling in your vulnerability left and right. Like you're trying shit on, you're seeing what works, you're seeing what feels good. Yeah. I'm now at a point where I can speak, you know, I know what I'm comfortable sharing and what I'm mm -hmm. not. And I feel, feels pretty good to me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There was something you said and now I forget what I, I was, I had something to say and now I forgot. It's okay. It's probably for the best. Cause I feel like I'm just taking up all of your time here. Oh my God. What? Are you crazy? No, this is amazing. Okay. I feel like we, th we started this episode and we're like, you know, I asked you what was on your heart. You're like, let's get into it. I was like, yep, let's go. That's how I roll. Usually anyways, we covered a fuck ton of ground from workaholism to depression, to being vulnerable on the internet, to thinking you have to be one way and then being another there to authority figures 
there's a lot here that is going to help so many entrepreneurs. I mean, are we a basket case? The jury's out. You know what I mean? But yeah, right. We make damn good entrepreneurs. So we'll, we'll, we'll run with that. Can you please tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram, where they can buy your jewelry and where they can listen to your podcast and a little bit about your pod? Yes. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Natalie MCM. And then my brand is at shop Natalie McMillan. And then our podcast at Am I Doing This Right Pod. And so that is a podcast that my best friend Corinne and I started because we were always having conversations. And it's just funny because this is a completely different, it has nothing to do with my business or anything, but it's just, we would always be calling each other like, hey, so like, I need to file this like 1099k or and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like, do you know what this is? And she'd be like, no, I don't know what this is. So then we would kind of team up and like figure it out. And then we we're like, okay, now we get it. And then she actually realized she came out of a meditation one day and was like, oh my God, we should just, we should share what we know because we're not like expert. You know, we would listen to podcasts of people that were like experts and they're like, well, I have a doctorate in finance or whatever. And they're talking, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, sir. I really don't. But her and I can really break it down into layman's terms and be like, listen, none of us know what's happening. None of us. We just did an episode on mortgages and she has a mortgage. She's like, I have no fucking clue what this is. (laughs) Yeah, I have a mortgage and I don't know why there's an escrow. I don't even know what fucking portal I'm paying. Like, do I pay escrow to pay the mortgage? Am I paying the bank directly? I don't fucking know. Who is Sally Mae or Fannie Mae? What? Who? What is this? And we're all just like expected to know. It's like, well, who was supposed to teach us this? Yeah, they teach us what an isosceles triangle is in school instead of this shit. (laughs) Right? I know. So her and I were like, let's just start going through topics of things that nobody ever taught us that we're all just pretending like we know when none of us know and figure it out and, and, you know, help people figure it out with us. So that's, that's our little potty and and you're going to be on. Yay. I'm so excited. I'm very excited. This is going to be amazing. Okay. Everybody I'll link well, we'll do, we'll figure out when we're launching all these things. I'm the fucking worst at my editorial calendar. You'd think over four years of podcasting, I'd be good with my editorial calendar. I'm not, you know, I like record the night before usually. So anyways, we'll <laughs> talk after this, but thank you so much for coming on love. You are exact. You, the first impressions of you on the internet and talking to you on the phone match up and then exceed even further. You are a gem and I'm so excited to be on your podcast and to see you soar. So this is the first of many collaborations and you guys know where to find me everyone on Instagram at Scout Sobel. I will catch you on the next episode. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend, if you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review, and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scout's agency to OKSIS podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.